2: i'm peanut toman and this is the nfl players second Acts podcast and i got my pastor with me roman harper
3: what's up rome <laughs> what's up baby and i want to tell <laughs> all of our listeners out there and viewers please give us click that button like Give us a five-star rating. Hit subscription to and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts or iHeart. Please give us a like and a review. Hey, one of our guests was
2: Fred Taylor. Dope interview. Give it a listen. We got a good guest. Read y'all some of these highlights real quick. First round pick in 98 draft, number nine overall. That's a lottery pick. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Thirteen year NFL vet. He was running back, seventeenth on the all time rushing list. Got eleven thousand six hundred ninety five yards. Jaguars all time leading rusher. He's in the Jaguars ring of honor. My guy, my good friend Fred Taylor. What's up, boss?
4: What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Listen, that's a that's a, that's a distance, every, that man. was that was though that was a great open. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for reading off the the only disagreement. You said it's an od but goody. But goody. I, I get offended by that word, old.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm okay. very
4: sensitive to oh, that I, word. Well,
2: I apologize. You
4: know, because you what do you do with old stuff? You throw it out, <gasps> right? No,
2: you not necessarily. You drink old wine.
3: So you should call them an
4: antique. But it's not necessarily old wine. Okay. Like it's vintage maybe.
2: Okay. I or ap- seasoned. I apologize. You know what I'm saying? Much better. Like I, I apologize. I, I, I will, when we all, when this is all over and done, I'ma redo that intro and I'ma say- Oh no, got, no, no, we, I'm we just got it, We around. got an antique over here. Is antique good? Season. Nah, antiques,
4: uh, well, antiques are um, kinda like part of my career. You know, they call me Fragile Fred for, we can get into that. Antiques, when I think antiques, I think it's easily broken.
0: Oh, cuz yeah, true you know, too. It's you true. know what I'm
4: saying? So I I don't know if I like that even I, that might well, if be. If we're talking about broken,
2: what have you broken? I mean, you you would tell back you I mean, you are a, a a legend uh in in Jacksonville. What what have you broken? What was like one of the best best uh shots you took or best shots you dished out?
4: Oh man, there's a ton of them, but um you know what? I can say uh playing against our 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 hated rival Um, still to this day, I believe, uh, they might not consider it so much as a rival because we're on the way on the bottom end in terms of uh, wins against them. Mm -hmm. In order for it to be a rival, it has to be some back and forth. You got back and forth. And you got Uh,
2: what team is that? The Titans. Tennessee Titans. Tennessee
4: Titans. Um, I believe it was in uh, the year 9-11 happened. And um, just a simple zone left play. I did a, a crazy jump cut back to the right. Uh, in traffic uh, on Blaine Bishop mm-hmm. and uh, I tore my groin off the bone right right there on the spot in that play. And uh, it hurt so bad I grabbed my leg, I tossed the ball and I grabbed my groin. So I, I threw the ball to my close friend Samari Roll. So my coach thought I was probably point shaving because the night before he was like you and Samari, y'all shouldn't be playing those video games. We were at Samari's so house playing Madden. And uh, Coach Coughlin gave me a warning for fraternizing with the opponent that Mm. he didn't play that. Uh, But that was my friend from childhood. So um, I tossed Samari the ball. And uh, I just was, you know, down on the ground in agonizing pain. The worst pain I ever felt, you know, my entire career. Because usually, if you have chronic growing, Mm -hmm. the procedure is they go in there and they snip it. No doubt. Right? And then they let it (laughs) scar and heal and all of that. But. I did that on the field with no uh, anesthesia. Ooh. So I did, I never broke anything mm-hmm. per se. I had a ton of injuries, but that was the worst.
3: And you had clavicle issues, couple labors, like you've done a lot to your body. I I, I want to talk less about the injuries and more because I remember playing against you, but I want to talk more about the, the Tom Coughlin, uh, I would say what you would hear about outside of the building. I was never in the building with him. Had yeah. you had to be there a couple minutes early, like, these are real hardcore
4: rules that I've
3: heard are legendary. Old school.
4: Yeah. Right, right, certainly old school. Um, They wouldn't fly today, for example, they didn't necessarily fly with uh, Jalen Ramsey and a few other of the younger guys that were in the building when TC came back around. But um, I can say this before I get into a few stories, in terms of developing you know, boys to men, right? right. Mm-hmm. And being appreciative of that, I think uh, players would appreciate that more, you know, as they get older, right? Um, right, right. Uh, because that—that's all he wanted. Mm-hmm. He wanted you to come in and understand and learn how to be a man, and uh, uh, approach this game as a business, which is what it is. Uh, and and when you carve the fat off, he wanted to make sure you were extremely focused on your job. And so he tried to make sure he just carved off all the distractions and any things that was going to hinder your, you know, your push, you know, to to try and be successful as an individual and as a team collectively. Uh, but yeah, all of those stories are true. Okay. You know, uh, even before I got there, I arrived in 98. They had a few camps uh, a few years before I got there. So they started in, in, in 96. Um, TC, um, they spoke about the three of days. You know, spoke about double padded practices. Um, spoke about uh, uh, the breaks that you were supposed to have. He would take those away and just mm. make you no naps. A whole lot of stuff. Uh, we had a concentration line uh, <laughs> where you entered the field. Uh, you couldn't step on the on the on the white line. Uh, you have to turn around and go do it again. Um, <laughs> But it's like yeah.
3: all the little stuff. Yeah, it's
4: all the little stuff, right? But he, he really tried to create this sense of uh, awareness and extreme focus.
2: Did anybody ever quit? Like, that was, cause it's all, I mean, this is a lot. That's a whole
4: lot. No, it's a lot, but um, I don't recall, at least not in my time. Okay. Um, cause we, we, he coached, uh, he coached me for five years. So in my time, I never had anybody that quit. I had a few guys close on the brink. <laughs> <laughs> um, hell, I was one of them,
1: <laughs>
4: uh, but just some crazy stuff. I Let me say this, um, so it, it is true, being punctual, he didn't mess around, he had his own TC time, you know, meetings was at eight, you had to be there at 7.50 yeah. or so, or you were you would get fined, and he fined you for everything. Uh, two outrageous, quick stories. Uh, I remember Marlos Leroy, he played at Georgia, young defensive lineman. Uh, he placed the bet with Keenan McCardell back in the day. Keenan was an older vet, mm-hmm. always clean. Yeah. The nicest suits on the teams. Great wide receiver. A great wide receiver and uh great coach now as well. Mm-hmm. Um Keenan bet Marlowe's that um Florida would beat Georgia in the Florida Georgia game. And uh if, if Florida won, he would have to let Keenan pick out a suit for uh, Keenan would pick out a suit for Marlowe's. So Keenan picked out this the brightest orange suit for Marlowe's to travel with for game day. Coach Kaufman saw that guy on the plane, find him like 10 grand mm. because he didn't have on our team, you know, business type travel. He had on a bright orange suit, so TC didn't play that. And the other story is um, uh, Tavian Banks yeah. and uh, Cordell Taylor. We had a Saturday night team meeting and um, they were driving across this bridge in Jacksonville, Main Street Bridge. There's uh, slippery grating on the, on a bridge, so if you if it's raining and you brake the wrong way or too fast, your cars are, are, are lose control. Uh-huh. Those guys lost control. The front of the car was on top of the bridge, almost was gonna go into the St. Johns River. Right. Mm. Glass, the windshield broke out. Those guys were all cut up. They got fined for being late to are the team serious? meeting.
3: The, you know, these are the legendary stories. I was that's why I had to I've ask. heard a couple of I've them. heard them. These we are, were
4: like, these guys almost lost their lives. They didn't show up, they didn't make the eight o'clock Saturday night, the day before the game team meeting. They both were fine. Conduct detrimental because the, the they biggest. shouldn't have been <laughs> rushing. They were gonna be late anyway, is what he said.
2: Oh, I think I'm gonna I'm peeling that one. I'm taking that <laughs> but one. But he
4: learned the game is about adaptation, and yeah. adjusting. He leaves Jacksonville, goes to New York. A lot of savvy vets in that locker yeah, room yeah, starting with yeah. Stray and those yep. guys. He learned that he needed to pipe down a little bit. He changed his approach and he was able to really get the attention of those guys and went on and win yeah, two Super, Bowl. Super Bowls. Yeah.
3: Fred T., you know, peanut read off all your accolades, talked about all the yards, 17th all the time. Um, you've been a Hall of Fame semifinalist the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, how does that feel, first of all, to be mentioned with all of the greats, but then also coming up short, like Right. how does that... What, at what point do you almost reach this two? Like, am I just done? This point of frustration? Let me know, like, what, how does that feel? I haven't got my it, name, I don't even care, but it, I, I wanna I'm, know I'm, how you feel.
4: I'm a tip, right, that uh, I'm even considered. And uh, just starting right there, um, it's a lot of great players, man, and a lot of guys that have done amazing things. Um, so each, each year that I'm back up, I'm like, all right, this is an opportunity. You know, if, if nothing else, it is an opportunity. I would love uh, that moment when we're able to get in the finalist room, so then they're they're able to do a deeper dive mm. into you know my achievements, the things I've done, and really being able to compare those to the other guys that are already in the Hall of Fame, whatever those criterias are, being able to stack them up. Um, you know, unfortunately. I never had the best timing mm-hmm. throughout my career mm-hmm. in terms of um, putting together back to back yearly campaigns, uh, which would have got my name uh, considered in more Pro Bowl talks. Yeah. You know, I had numbers, you know, but they weren't back to back to back like some of these guys. But I had years where I, 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 I outrushed the best backs from the previous year, so yeah. forth and so on. <clears throat> Uh, even starting with my with my rookie year, more than the Hall of Fame uh, uh, talks, I I think in the class of 98, myself, Peyton Manning, uh, Mar- I mean, not Marshall Falk, Randy, Ma- Randy Moss. That's good um, and when you look at the final tally of the rookie of the year uh, voting, I believe there's a better argument for my case for rookie of the year than uh, Randy won it than my argument for the Hall of Fame. Uh, But I was trapped in a smaller market. Correct. You know, Randy had certain attentions on him coming in.
3: 1000%.
4: Right, and uh, he had two great games, the rookie year, Green Bay and Dallas. And if you have amazing games against those, typically the media is gonna tilt toward that way a bit more, as opposed to looking at my body of work, my rookie year. In terms of touchdowns, overall numbers. So I go back there, probably a little bit more disappointed yeah. about that than the Hall of Fame, because a lot of those young guys, they come in with the mindset, hey, I wanna be a Hall of Famer. you know. And, really? and, and I think that if I had thought that way coming in, as opposed to just being excited to be drafted to the NFL and just being able to compete each Sunday, I think if I had that mindset, I would have done things a bit differently. It would have yeah. created a certain structure, you know, uh, but I never thought that. Tell me so, two
3: things that you think you would have done differently. I, I, I love just that. preparation. Cause because I I, I, had, I was like you. I was just happy to get my name called. Right,
4: right. But it, more for me, uh, just looking back, uh, preparation, you know, taking care of my body a mm-hmm. bit more, understanding that my body is the one thing that's going to make or break me. Uh, beforehand, I never I never considered taking care of my body. I didn't think about nutrition. Yeah, you know, I didn't put health first. Mm. You know, if I felt, you know, a toe or something that was hurting, I'm still going to go to Miami and hang out, <laughs> you know, and be, go in the offseason yeah. go with my, you know, go hang out with my people and my buddies and just ready to get away from the season as opposed to doing the little things, yeah. you know, to achieve the the, the end goal. Right. So I never had an end goal. Yeah, I wanted to win. I wanted to win the Super Bowl, but in terms of the big the the highest achievement from an individual standpoint, although team success is added, right, right, right. but from an individual standpoint would be, you know, Canton. And I just never had that that thought process in place until later in my career. I was like, oh, this is attainable. Yeah, You know, when they started talking about the 10,000 yard rushing right. club, when I became the 21st uh, uh, running back to do it in, in the history of the league, That's I was deep. like, all right, this is, let's go. This is attainable. Um, and then Jim Brown, Jim Brown, you know, putting his numbers, you know, in, in my sight said, this is the guy I idolized the most in this mm-hmm. game. I want to outdo his numbers. Yeah. You know, unfortunately my last two years didn't go the way I wanted them to in New England, but I thought it would have helped. But again, uh, if you set your bar high, you know, even if you fall just under it, you know, you've you've gotten really close and I just never, Set my bar high enough. Um, so yeah, so those talks, man, I'm appreciative of them. Um, God's timing is the best, mm-hmm. you know, when it happens, you know, um, it'll be a good moment. And I think it can happen, you know, I, I think it will happen. Uh, it my will. teammate Tony Buscelli just and he just, just got just in after inducted it. Yeah. after so many years. <clears throat> um, uh, but the guys I've played against, uh, the 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 old school guys that have played my position that have um, uh, mentioned certain things about my career and my style of play while I was playing and even now that I'm done. Those guys that are Hall of Famers, um, the fact that when I retired and even now, my numbers are better than half of the backs that are in the Hall of Fame. No doubt. Still. So, I think I have some argument there. So, when it happens, it'll be a good moment.
2: But your former teammate, though, he uh, Tony uh, Basile, uh, he he spoke about that, though. He was like, I, I think Fred is probably one of the most underrated backs out there. And I don't think that people, I personally, I don't think that people talk enough about you and your stats. Like, does mm-hmm. that, do you feel underappreciated? Like, like.
4: Um, not, not underappreciated. Um, no, not underappreciated. Uh, cause the numbers are what they are. Mm-hmm. You know, you can line them up against, uh, some of the best again of the hundred, you know, years or so that, you know, this league has, has been around. Um, there have been thousands of running backs that mm-hmm. play or, or guys that have played the running back position and when I was done, I was 15th all time. Yeah, you know I'm somewhere I mean we're talking about one percent or yeah. you know, half that. So I mean, I know I had a very good career. I uh, missed out on those things. I missed out on some of the hardware. Mm-hmm. You know, that Sticky Lombardi. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. a few other Pro Bowls do to, too. you know Certain marketing and, and, and I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I deal with this with Ryan Clark all yes. the time.
2: But Trust me, it's, I, it's I, such I, well, an I honor. It, I deal with it all the time with He He's always throwing shade my way because <laughs> I lost two Super Bowls and he won one. Like he's always, try, he's constantly just throwing it. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I'm just no, I'm just, I'm I, just I get it. So
4: yeah, we certainly get it. So it's a prestigious class, yeah. you know, to be a part of, man, and, jerk and, move. and congrats, right? Don't congratulate um, him, don't do
2: that. So this, yeah, this I mean, you. Uh,
4: but it, it was great to to hear Tony take away from, or to add that to his Hall of Fame yeah. speech. It just shows what, what he thinks of me. Yeah. And that's what it's about, right? Yeah. It, what my peers, and the guys I lined up against every Sunday, you talk to Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, those guys who led the Ravens defense, that old AFC Central, they know what I brought to the mm-hmm. table. I brought them work, Pittsburgh Steelers, they know what I brought to that the table, sad. work. I mean, so it's so many other guys that are in the Hall of Fame, defensive greats, Derrick Brooks, Warren Sapp, just Troy Polamalu. So when they go out and they say, we wanted to stop him first, that's how we stopped Jacksonville. You know, and then there are moments where they would consider me the first or second best player in team history behind. It's either me or Tony.
2: That speaks volumes. I kind of feel like once you make the Hall of Fame, you should get a Hall of you should You, the Hall of Famer, should get a vote. I don't necessarily like the fact that it's always left up to the media to to vote the player
3: in. That's almost considered like, a, like the Heisman.
2: Yeah, because they, they all get a vote. I was talking to Robert Griffin, RG3. I was talking to Robert about that, and he was like, oh, yeah, I still get my vote. And I, me personally, I think it's dope because I, no disrespect to people in the media, but they you haven't played that game. You don't really know all of what these players go through or what it takes to get to that level. And right. then if you look at recent years, I feel like certain players, like Hall of Famers, get mad when some Hall of Famers is like, well, what did he do? You know what I'm saying? So I, I kind of, you know, leave it leave it to the the greats, the the Yellow Jackets, to see who you want or see who they want in their club. Like
4: the, the I, hard part is, you know, how do you identify what the criterias are? Mm-hmm. You know, if there were a certain set of of guidelines, then it would probably make it a little bit easier. Because if it's Pro Bowls, then what do you do now in this era? Right when the Pro Bowl game is. You know, let touch and that's yeah, it's all that, yeah. It? It's um yeah. and even then, you know, um even back then, you know, guys don't attend the Pro Bowl but it's still on their book. Then you got alternates that come yep. in and then now that's considered a pro bowl and all these different things. But what's the high criteria? And it's so um so much inconsistency. Correct. And it, it becomes opinionated. By these guys who consider themselves historians of the game, or teachers, or is it statistics? Like, so what is it? So then I can't control that. It's their that.
2: bias, though, too, though. Because I honestly, I personally think that T.O. should have made it. A, he should have been
3: a first ballot guy or second, at it's, least second ballot. So it's all the politics behind it, for sure. I, I and it, that, shouldn't,
2: that it shouldn't. It shouldn't be, be though. That's, that's the frustrating. Typically, part Typically, the politics
4: though. are only involved <laughs> if you're not a first ballot. Correct. But T.O. should have been. <laughs> first ballot, then he doesn't have to do the the campaign trail and the <laughs> letters of
3: recommendations yeah, and all yeah, of that it stuff. There was a lot that went into it. Um, Fred T, man, you talked about your peers, how much they respected you. And I'll just flat out be honest. You were the first, Jacksonville Jaguars, my second year in the league, was the first time I went into a game with a quote unquote tackle plan, mm-hmm. all right? Nice. You guys, um, yeah, because they had two different running backs. You had Fred Taylor, mm-hmm. who, if I went against Fred Taylor, I had to make sure I tackled him low. He had a knee brace on, he didn't yeah. like people going at his legs. Oh, leg- he was trying to sweep the leg like well, a right kid. That was the best way, he was Anything tall. necessary. Yeah, anything's right. necessary, I had to go at his legs. And like, that was the plan. Anytime Fred Taylor has the ball, go at his legs. When you had Maurice Jones, Drew, get the ball, you better tackle him up high, kiss him almost. And so, try to, try to, (laughs) cause he was so short. You tried to go low, you not, that's where his power is. So number one, all right, that was the respect that I had for you. It was the first time I ever had to implement this into my game is a tackling plan. So would your running style, would it, how would you think it would go or how would it bode well in today's game where it's more space, it's not so much power downhill, maybe more shotgun runs. How would you think your style of play with transition in today's game.
4: I think I'll do numbers in today's game. <laughs> but we all gotta think that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think overall, though, it's, it's and why a lot would of, you do numbers? It's a lot of space. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm gonna give you the business in space. I mean, I was I, I, I understand tempo. Yeah. You know, I understand burst. Uh, I understand how to make guys miss. I have options. You know, I can run you over. I can run past you. I can shake you. Uh, spin moves, so I had a ton of options. But
2: how long did it take you to figure all
3: that I was, out? I agree, that was how, gonna be my How, how long?
2: Up. How long did that take to figure out, you know, um, for, I can to say, beat the guy, slow down, get the flow? Like, how did you know that and in a college? Lot of people no, I didn't say learn say, that like, Running later. back's the
3: easiest transition from college to pro. I, I mentioned what that they say, But I I, What you say saying this? I don't think it's... I mentioned that we were talking
4: about Bijan Robinson. The running back is the probably the easiest position to transition to the league. From a natural raw ability standpoint, but the hardest thing for a back is pass protection. Correct, and they won't play. And why you won't is see that? The why, field.
2: why is it? Why is pass protection so hard for because a running back? Because you gotta
4: understand uh, the different calls. You have to be on point with communicating with the quarterback, the points from the center, mm-hmm. and things can change so fast. And they don't necessarily do that as much, you know, uh, in college. Right. So the communication has to be there. Uh, And then that's one part, then actually going out there, attacking your backer when there is a blitz. Once you uh, uh, put your keys into play Mm -hmm. and understand rotation and guys that look like they're not coming, but you know they're coming, Mm -hmm. but you still gotta go up there and make the block. Because in today's game, the quarterbacks are getting 50 plus million a year.
3: You gotta protect them. You You gotta gotta protect
4: them. them. And if you don't protect them, I don't care how great you are of a runner, you can't play because you're a liability. Right. So, uh, but I, I, I learned those, those other keys later in my career. I could say the first five years of my career, I was just running off natural ability. Yeah. I would see the film, I understand the fronts, over, under, where guys were blitzing from. I understood that, but it was a reactionary. But after a few injuries, you know, and just trying to maintain that same level of play. Right, and so there wouldn't be a drop off. I had to get smarter yeah. and started to really think the game. And that's the part of the game that I miss the most is the preparation mm. for the opponent. People say, hey, you missed the game. I, I, I have moments where yeah. when I hear a young linebacker, oh, this, oh, that, yeah, I wish I can show him something. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying? Yeah. But more than actually going out there to compete, the X's and O's is what I fell in love with. Like, and if I, you know, wasn't there to raise my four boys and yeah. you know uh, be there for my family. I certainly would be coaching, mm. you know, because I love the X's and O's. And yeah. when I watch the game now, I watch it from a situational standpoint, yeah. so not just that they're dropping back, throwing the ball. They should be doing this. I would be doing this. So I'm actually scripting and running plays in my my mind as I would see it, based on you know, Looks. the time of the game and the down the distances and distances. I'd all
2: probably that. say my my first couple of years were like yours. I was I was just just young, raw talent, just playing the game and didn't really know about third and one or third and five or third and 10. Like I was just playing it all the same. <laughs> I'm just playing it all the same. Right, like, right. And, and then one of my coaches came and he sat me down and it was just like, hey, here's how they're attacking you. You gotta know that. And once I understood the game, it was like the matrix. Like I could slow everything down. Right. I knew what was happening. I knew how you were attacking me. Okay, I don't have to try to just shoot and make it. Well, no, I got my DN right there, so I got outside leverage. I'm right. a just, I'm gonna contain and I'm gonna just. You got time? You,
3: were you like that, or uh, did you just play, or are you? I, I did just play a lot, and then all of a sudden, I had a couple of really good vet guys mm-hmm. and some coaches like just t- teach me the game, Yeah. Right? And where it's like, all right, leverage. <clears throat> Yep. As a secondary player, is huge. Know where your help is at. Yeah. Understanding, like you're talking about, down and distance mm-hmm. situations in the football game, after a turnover, and from 40 to 40 shot play. Take, Just, yeah. it's, it's gonna like these little things you never think about, you, right? But you know it's coming.
4: And 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 the evolution <laughs> of the game, like I mentioned, the speed of today's game, and I b- truly believe that it's gonna only get faster. Yeah, it will. Because where the game is. If even you look at something as simple as uh, Madden and what they're doing. When we I started, you know, with video games, it was like 10 yard fight. I remember that back, <laughs> and it was like block <laughs> moves like that. But now everything's so realistic. Yeah. And when you sit down and you talk talk to these kids on the youth level and the high school level, and you see them out there in seven on seven, they understand coverages inside out. Right. They understand, you know, the the, the jargon. You know, so their knowledge for the game and their IQ levels are so high, which, in my opinion, uh, when they adapt that even more, is just going to continue to, you know, speed this game up.
2: Yeah, so I know they called you uh, Fragile Freddy. Right. I, I had my fair share of injuries and elbows and ribs and punctured lungs. I think you tore your ACL. I think my last year I ended up tearing my ACL, uh-huh. like, the eighth, ninth game of the season. Sat out a couple weeks Played some more, mm-hmm. tore my ACL literally the last regular season game in the 2015 season, and I, for me, I was like, "Yeah, I'm 34. I ain't really taking on corners. 34 with uh with torn ACLs. Right. I think it's time to call it a day. Father time. <clears throat> yeah, you got me. He's undefeated. Right. When did you realize it was time to retire? Oh man. Um. Uh. Just uh, touching on the fragile Fred part
4: really quick. Um. I just played a game reckless. Yeah. You know, I just was reckless. Um didn't necessarily uh, I had a few years of uh just bad luck and but that was due to my style of play. Yeah. And uh hanging out in, you know, Miami and doing certain things in the off season didn't necessarily help. But, you know, uh at some point, you know, something turns on. You say, "All right, this is what I got to do to take care of myself." So I had a stretch of uh, really good seasons mm-hmm. uh, without injury, um, without a single injury for that matter, for about four years. Uh, and and the last thing, uh, as it relates to um, that, you know, uh, unsolicited uh, nickname is um, you know I, I, to to throw it back in their faces. I played for thirteen years. Yeah, a thousand. The percent. average is three. It's so so long. There has to be some that. sort of toughness and uh, perseverance and all that good stuff in there. Uh, but, Peanut, I, I think the moment I realized that it was time to hang it up for me, um, after leaving Jacksonville, I went to New England, mm-hmm. signed with the Pats, got there, won the starting job both of those years. My first year there, um, I had a severe high ankle sprain, slowed me down some. Uh, so I would sit back, like, man, and I st- want to play. Plus, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Uh, I had an agenda. I wanted to win a Super Bowl, which is why I chose the Pats. Uh, And the other part was I wanted to push those numbers up and catch up with with Jim Brown. Uh, Before I got to New England, I was about a thousand yards uh, shy of uh, passing Jim Brown. None of that happened. My second year there, uh, I had turf toe. Mm -hmm. And I used to tease people that that caught turf toe, right? So So lingering. hey. I remember uh, they talked about uh, Dion having turf toe yeah. back in the day, and uh, ladanian and and I was like turf toe. It's a toe. It's a turf toe. <laughs> so I got turf toe in one one foot, one one side, and uh, like the very next week, through trying to compensate for this one, I got tackled and I got turf toe in the other one, like back to oh, back weeks, ew. and uh, the second one was very extreme. So I'm in and out, in and out. So that was my 13th year, and as the season's going, you know, it's super cold in New England, and I don't mind the cold. You're not uh, used to it, though, being a Florida boy, though, no, right? No, if you look at my stats, I embrace. I love the cold. Okay, Like, from a game, <laughs> I, yeah. I love the cold, you know, hanging out in the cold, I, I enjoyed that. Even my two years there, living in, down in Providence, I adapted, to, I, I embraced it, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, because it's some sort of football toughness that that comes with it, especially being a Florida boy, you gotta show them I can do this. So that's what I did, and um, I know. So I, um, but there will be practices where you know you're out there, you gotta do the dog and pony show for the media, and you're like, I know I'm not practicing today, but that's just part of the the patriot
3: way, right? right?
4: So they don't tip off too much. Uh, and everybody's always 50-50, questionable. You don't know who's gonna play. Tom Brady
3: was on the the injury list for like years.
4: Right, Uh, so those moments, I would just sit back there and like, man, um, some of the things I used to do, um, I don't know if I could do them still, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the injuries at this point in my career. Now I gotta drink, you know, an energy drink on a fast Friday when before I could just go out there and. It's Fast Friday, get excited, you're out of there. But now when you got to rev that engine up beforehand just to make it through, you're like, okay. And then, you know, I started saying, all right, I want to compete on the other side. I wonder what's that. that's going to be like, you know, that transition. What is that going to be like? So there's a certain intrigue that set in, you know, about um, the statistics they throw at you in terms of the, the fail rate of guys making the transition out mm-hmm. of the game, the divorce rate of guys making a transition. I said, this is my new competition. You know, I'm not gonna be one of those statistics. So I started to develop this mindset and this excitement, you know, in uh, the entry about what is that gonna be like? I don't know, but I wanna attack it head on. So um, after my 13th season, uh, I was like, lucky 13. 13 is a good number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, that was right along the time that the CBA happened in mm-hmm. 2011, they announced the, the, the CBA. I was like, all right, I'm gonna get back. I'm, I'm gonna go do another year. Because I was training with a lot of the great young running backs. Was right? that, that
2: was a like year, right? It was. Yeah.
4: yeah, so so um, I stayed away from training. I forced myself to stay away from training down in South Florida. But we would have Matt Forte, Jones Drew, you know, uh, Frank Gore, Mm -hmm. a lot of the young great backs. um, And I would go there and I would try to show them up, you know, because we would train together each and every year prior to my retirement. So I was like, ah, if I go train, I know I'll play a 14th season. I know I'll get picked up somewhere eventually and I'll play. So I just purposely stayed away. And then they announced the CBA, I was like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't retire just yet. So I trained for about a week on my own, And then I was like, nah, I'm going to give it up. And I just shut it down.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want. You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year
3: So, I mean, you said that this was your next goal or the next thing you were gonna attack. Maybe uh, share with us, how was that transition for you? When you did finally hang it up, you're not training for it. Uh, so many of us, me and Peanut talk about it all the time, and this is what this whole uh, podcast is about. It's about that second act. And mm-hmm. So, how to? Um, did you have a plan? Uh, I know you said <clears throat> you had a goal, mm-hmm. but did you have a plan to help you achieve that? Uh, that well,
4: well, the only plan I had was to uh, not, Ever stop? You know, never become dormant. Uh, stay busy. Stay active. Keep moving. Stay engaged. Uh, take advantage of the relationships that um, I cre- that were created over the course of my career. Uh, just stay in the face of the people in the NFL, because uh, for years I would get opportunities earlier in my career uh, to do you know autograph signings or brand opportunities. That I would turn down, mm-hmm. you know, uh, $5,000, $10,000 opportunities. And that's great money. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to be with my family uh, before I had a family like yeah. my, my mother, brother, sister, uh, and my friends. So I turned down a lot of stuff. Then eventually, at a certain point while I was playing, I, I, I understood that every it's about showing up,
3: mm-hmm.
4: you know, um, and, uh, allowing people to understand that they can call on you that you're going to show up it wasn't about the money it's just about being there. So uh, that mindset from uh, latter part of my career and then into retirement, I said I want to maintain that. you know I want to stick close to the Jaguars mm-hmm. you know and take advantage of the hard work and the, the name and the, the brand that I built in the local market. So I wanted to get out in front of that uh, the bad investments that I had. You know, how can I speak, get on the speaking circuit and speak to, you know, the young guys, how to steer clear of these uh, different things. So all the different things, the bad things that I consider, the things I consider bad that happened in my career, mm-hmm. I took those and I sort of formed a mindset that I wanted to use this and, and be able to use that to, to help me give back. And you also use that to steer clear and help me direct myself, you know, on the right path um, by by always uh, sharing, so um, uh, I wanted to get better at investing, you know. So that was intriguing. So I started to study little things, you know. I started to uh, do the opposite of what I would do when people would approach me about investments. Um, for example, I learned just the simple terminology investment talk. Yeah. You know, I just got downloaded Investopedia when that was around. In order to communicate, you got to understand. You got the know, language. Speaking the definition yeah. of, of words. So if I'm, I know I'm going to be in that space. I know I want to continue to invest. You know, uh, in private funds and stocks and all that stuff. Go and teach yourself. So that's what I did. And I also, you know, uh, leverage the relationships and, and people uh, to uh, use them uh, to help myself even more. There, um, created a company started uh created another minority company uh and really just started uh leveraging those relationships to to try to build uh from there uh so I've had some better investments you know in my second career cuz I don't call it retirement yeah right. I just call it career change yeah cuz yeah,
3: cuz uh, you're still working this
4: is not yeah. what retirement is supposed to feel like or at least what <laughs> we've been taught that it was supposed to feel like so it's a career change for me. I'll never retire. I don't think I will. Mm-hmm. Um, but every every step, every day is a different uh, uh, intrigue for me. It's a different competition for me. And I embrace that. You know, Now, doing the pivot uh, with Ryan and, and Channing, I, I love our grind. I love our hustle. Just being able to continue to learn from Ryan. You know, <clears throat> someone who actually majored in journalism. I didn't didn't know know that was his
3: major. It totally makes a lot of sense though. He's great. It makes a lot of sense. He is so good
4: at what he does. How much have
3: you
2: learned from him? I really, really just, um, because I never really talked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you got like, a you low key got like a, a little Morgan Freeman Jr. voice going on. You know, like
4: you, people you do love like my sexy voice. A, you know, right it's on. like, it's low
2: key Morgan Freeman like a little bit. You know, I,
4: I, I me might bad time story. I love Let you here. just lean into the mic. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the voiceover bedtime, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, <laughs> but no, just really, um. I think what I've learned from uh, Ryan, because I still have to be myself. I have to right. be my authentic self. And that um, I'm very, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. And, and I think that's what creates the safe space on our show. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm extremely transparent. You know, I wanna lead with that. Um, and, and I try also to be as unbiased as I can. That's the part that I learned from Ryan, mm-hmm. in order to be in this space, you have to be able to tap into uh, and be unbiased respectfully, mm-hmm. you know, when you engage with the subject, uh, our guests. Uh, but I also want to make sure that I give people their flowers, which is, you know, what I do. But um, Ryan, just being able to study, you know, study beforehand, mm-hmm. not just going in there just talking and slang, like we come in there really prepared. Uh, and we do our homework. Uh, so learning that from Ryan, uh, the hardest working, he, I'm like, I don't know how you do it, RC. He has so many different hats that he wears, yeah, he does. Uh, not just in the media, but with his family, his son, Jordan, back at ASU. Yeah,
3: he was coaching all the DBs. Coaching yeah. the
4: DBs, so uh, you that grind, that hustle, You know, uh, being able to sacrifice when need be, all of that comes into play. Um, uh, once I uh, actually met Ryan away from the field because on the field I wanted to tear him in half when he was a Steeler, but now you know we're, we're really good friends. Uh, we re- have the same amount of respect for each other, and uh, we have one agenda. You know, no no drama, and just make the pivot. You know, one of the best podcasts out
2: there. Well, it's it's, it's kind of the blueprint though. Like is. you guys are. I mean, it's, that's I I'm, I'm I, I want to be like y'all. When I grow up, I want to be like, y'all, I want to, I want to, we try to set that, that, that tone like y'all and mm-hmm. how y'all ask the questions and you don't just do athletes. Like you, you have everybody on, musicians, athletes, artists, right? Uh, like. We consider it, uh,
4: you know, lifestyle, yeah, sports, entertainment, uh, just the, just a really a safe space yeah. where now you have P, uh, get uh, celebrities and their PR teams actually reaching, reaching out, out yeah. to us. Because we're trying to tell a great story, mm-hmm. but we're trying to allow the guests that space and that leverage to tell their stories as they want, um, and not just how the media, the the traditional media, right, right wants to tra- uh, traject their their their
3: stories. I got, I got two questions for you. Number one, how'd you guys come up with the name The Pivot? And then number two, you know, the first time we talked, you talked about this vulnerability in mm-hmm. this safe space when you guys had your show, and and the first time, mm-hmm. and you talked about the pitfalls and some of the things, the mistakes that you guys made early. Right? Could you maybe share with the mistakes you made, and then also what you guys have learned from that, and how it's different in mm-hmm. the pivot, and also the yeah. I, 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 think I
4: think those questions will uh, overlap yeah. because we can't have the pivot without having the second part, the yeah. second question. Um, so I'll start with the second question and get us Got it. back to the pivot. Um, yeah. So we started during the pandemic with another podcast, and uh, really just there, we just wanted to talk about, um, we just wanted to really get out of the house, right? (laughs) Uh, During the pandemic, it was, during the pandemic, it was, uh, everybody was home, so we were all neighbors. It started with myself, Reggie Wayne, uh, Brandon Marshall, and Channing Crowder, and uh, we said, all right, let's just go and talk about current events, Yeah, you know? And uh, we started there. But it took off so fast. It was nothing to do during the pandemic, <laughs> but uh, people were trying to find everything to do right. at yeah. home. So podcast was like perfect. You know, yeah. the time to birth the podcast, and uh, it t- it just took off. It did. It right? really did. Super. We like, well, you guys we, had
3: all. You had Channing who was talking crazy. B Marsh we didn't crying know. half the time. It's yeah, like- we we
4: did not know <laughs> that you know it was going to do that, but we all had some input. Right, and then. You know, Reggie sort of um, uh, got tied up in his life, you know, and I don't want to go into too much detail there out of respect for everybody involved. Um, but then they inserted Ocho Cinco, which was another, you know, uh, uh, character uh, alongside Channing. But it just made the podcast a little bit more uh, entertaining, yes. you know, for uh, everyone that was watching. But again, the business wasn't buttoned up. Uh, no paperwork had necessarily been signed, and there had been some discussions. But as friends who respected each other, we thought we were on the same playing field, mm-hmm. playing field. and we thought it was one of those things that didn't necessarily have to be communicated. Yeah, but then an agenda sort of took over that when the success showed up, certain agendas kind of showed up. Yeah, and then, uh, there were, you know, whispers and looking around like, all right, well, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. Well, this should have happened. Equity, ownership, revenue sharing, all this stuff started to kind of take shape, and the numbers didn't add up. So, um, Channing and I, we had a conversation, and um, I would always use the word just, you know, pivot just all the time. Mm-hmm. Um just everyday life. You know, I remember hearing a song, Jay-Z had some lyrics. He was like post and pivot, redistribute and some other stuff. And I would always just naturally say, "Man, it's just time to pivot. We got to it's a wrap, you know, it's time mm-hmm. to go. We got to pivot." So, um, Channing and I, we went to have one big meeting and see if we can come to an agreement mm-hmm. for the old podcast. Didn't necessarily work out. So uh, Channing and I, we went behind the scenes and say, all right, man, what you wanna do? What what do you wanna do? It's like, I don't think this is gonna work out for me personally. Uh, So much like the end of my career, I kinda sat back and saw some things unfolding that I necessarily wasn't too happy about. Mm -hmm. So I just kinda accepted it for about three or four weeks in that season three of that old podcast. And um, I was like, nah, this isn't gonna do it. So we went silent, we just went black for a while. Myself, Channing, uh, while they were trying to make their minds up and how they wanted to do stuff, we just went dark, but during that time we were plotting. So we said, all right, what are we gonna do? We got with Alicia Zubakowski, who's our our producer on Mm -hmm. the podcast, uh, 13 time Emmy um, award winner. She's a monster at what she does. We got on the phone with RC. He said he was down. We formed our team and we said the one thing we're gonna do is get the business right first. Yeah. Structure from the, the pivot, the company to our own entity amongst the talent and how it was gonna pay out, the distributions, just everything. We we right, shaped right. up. We got with the account, we just shaped up. And the last thing was, what's the name? What are we gonna name it? And um we just, you know, one day I said, let's just call it, um, how about the pivot? Because that's what Channing and I, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're about to pivot. Yeah. And that's what everybody in the pandemic was doing. We all had to pivot. Everybody was. You know, and there are going to always be moments in all of our lives where everybody at some point is going to have to pivot. And there'll be pivotal moments that create good and bad times. So it just stuck. And, um, we went and um, uh, trademarked our stuff, and you know, made sure that part of it was solid, and the rest is history.
2: Well, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. I Appreciate I, it. I watch it often. Appreciate it's, it. It's, it's, it's good. I like. I like what y'all are doing. Y'all are. Y'all definitely
3: setting the tone. Trying to get it right, the
2: so, positive
4: way.
3: What 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 are you guys hoping to accomplish with it? And when it's all said and done, you like. You know what? This was a success, or do you not even have that? You guys got over seven hundred thousand. Subscribers, mm-hmm. and so you are at the top well, one of the top podcasts that the nation even has. Mm-hmm. And so, when would you say, All right, this is what we were trying to accomplish? Or do you guys, did you guys even set up the goal because you did everything else? We,
4: um, like we're we're, we're we surprise ourselves oh, yeah. a lot of the times. Um, we just talked about it last night, you know, with the uh, the the, the YouTube NFL uh, Sunday ticket thing, mm-hmm. like we were like, Whoa. That's a big partnership you know for us uh, to achieve. Um, but yeah, I, I think long term, obviously you know we want to be able to have our content uh, you know where it's licensed and mm-hmm. you know now we're being paid for it even you know 15, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. But we look at models like the Breakfast Club, you know and the consistency and the sustainability and we want to achieve that first. We wanna maintain our consistency. And as long as we do that, everything else is gonna take care of itself. Yeah. I think what people mess up is when they take too many breaks and then there's some uncertainty and you know, then your fans don't know what you're gonna do. Uh, and we said, that's not what we're gonna do. So consistency is the the, the the first thing that'll help create the sustainability and keep us there for the years to come. We're independent now we um we we've had some offers you know here and there from some of the uh bigger you know uh uh, companies that are eventually going towards you know podcast platforms and stuff um but um when those numbers you know come in the right way and certain it aligns with certain partnerships then that'll be the right moment where we're able to carve off you know a piece of um our ownership you know for partnership and then maintain some ownership, but always really just um, c- right now com- controlling complete ownership of the pivot and licensing our shows to go forward because they're gonna live on the internet forever. Yeah, once it's gonna done? always be valuable information. Um, but long term, we just want to make sure um, that we're 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 giving back. Like we don't have a, a, a complete. Um, I guess, business agenda to just dump it and run with, with money. We wanna keep servicing the people because people make podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's like the thing that's now. what we believe in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, the viewers, you know, subscribers, however, uh, they make podcasts. If they don't sit there and tune in and listen, you're irrelevant. Correct. So we wanna make sure we're servicing them. That's always our first mindset that we wanna do good conversation. Good content. You have certain guests that are going to spike your numbers, and that's cool. But it's not always about that, right? And I tried to explain that on the other podcast that it's about building bridges, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, and just having dope, super dope conversations and content. You don't always need an A-lister as a guest; right. you just need great conversation.
2: I'm, I'm with that. So we gonna pivot. Switch to another topic, right, right. <laughs> we gonna ask you some, some quick hitter questions real quick. Okay. <clears throat> Rookie year, get that contract, you sign. Probably, I know for me, I bought me a nice little, I bought a nice little, I had some rims, you know what I'm saying, I had that speaker, I had the <laughs> screens falling from the ceiling, I had the screen in the river, you know, single, no kids. So I, all my money went into Fred my car. Fred T from
3: Florida, you know he had that. I, I, so I, I, <laughs> he
2: has to tell me though, like what was one of the first things you splurged on
4: Oh uh, man. All right. So the first thing I splurged on after I got my contract mm-hmm. was uh, I bought my grandmother a $150,000 house. Okay. Cause my, my promise to her, uh, when I was around a sophomore in high school, didn't know how I was going to do it, but I told her I was going to buy her home. Okay. We were in a two bedroom apartment. She raised, you know, me and my other four siblings. So I said, baby, I'm going to buy your house. So that was the first, major thing that I bought. And then after I got her secured, I blew some money on some jewelry, some rims, you know, a Benz or two. Stuff that I look back on now. And, and you just, it's like, just like you know, so
3: dumb. It's sense. Like, what was I, sense. I doing? Yeah, You know um, what, I mean, it, I know it doesn't make sense because it's a lot of dollars, but at the end of the day, man, it's what young people do. Like, that's true, but that's, like, that's
4: you, also a part it, of where we come in right. as guys that have been there, yeah. you know, to try to. I know the money's different. Because I was the ninth pick in '98, and I think my total contract package was around sixteen million. With a total to be able to go up to around twenty with incentives, and these guys are getting that um, year in a year, uh, but oh they're God. exposed to so much more, yes. yeah. right? And uh, but I think they're also exposed to having a lot of good people around them that can tell them not to make certain frivolous, you know, purchases and, and decisions that and you know in a, in a year two years from now you're not gonna
2: like it won't even be around. Did you have someone when you were making those purchases uh, help you out or it was just like no nah, this is what I'm doing
4: they they they, they helped me uh, uh, write the check
3: <laughs> They didn't say hey you
4: you shouldn't do that no and, and but that's another thing like yeah. you know um, learning from those things you know they are good great financial mm-hmm. advisors mm-hmm. and they're ones that are you know predatory. Right mm-hmm. and, uh, and and aren't great, um, so I believe my message, whether it's the, uh, the the this platform, my our platform on the pivot, or just speaking engagements, they're seeing these young guys like at the draft at different places. Be smart with your money. Yes. It's a constant reminder. Like, don't make certain. Per- You're gonna have fun. Yes, for but sure. everything can be calculated. Make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. Um, Learn how to take your interest or shoe deals or you know, appearance monies and stuff. And if you want to go crazy with that, you can kind of you know justify certain uh, means by uh, uh, with that. But create a plan, you know whatever yeah. that plan looks like. Create a plan. But I think it's our duty you know, as vets, guys that have been around, guys that have made those mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because we can look back on them and say, ah, oh, it was funny. So but it was, it was stupid, I'm right? So uh, unnecessary. I think at one point I had maybe five cars in my in my driveway. It's only what one person? me. <laughs> but then I got buddies, hey, take this, take this. Yeah, You know, um,
3: yeah. It's funny because fun. at some point, most guys that had an extended career or or grew up in a certain way, like that is what we wanted. Like right. I remember the Trick Daddy video where I wanted a donk, like that's yeah, all right. I wanted. And I had to have rims and I wanted this on. But I that I one at what... the end of my career. Towards <laughs> the middle of my career,
4: I got because I always wanted one. Yeah. And I mean, I probably put 75,000 in that car. Mm-hmm. Old school, had the best of everything in it. Oh, I'm, and I'm, the guys loved it. The yes. engine, 502, big block. The guys on the team, they loved it. And I only pulled it out on game day. Uh, The other days during the week, it probably didn't even crank. (laughs) It probably didn't even start. And I smelled fumes, fumes all down the street. It parked in my garage. My wife was like, we gotta get rid of that. You know, and uh, I ended up selling it to a teammate for like 40,000. So I took a $35,000 haircut. And uh, he sold it probably four months after that for like 25, I thought should have sold it back to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a lot of- um, Do you have an old school right now currently? Of course not, uh, of course not. Okay. okay, so I have- I would uh, not have guessed that. I would not have guessed that either. You know what, no, I do not have an old school. It's actually, it's one old school in my garage and I've been trying to get rid of it for years. <laughs> it's a 2008. CL550, it was only like five of them ever made. Beautiful interior. It's it's like this deep hunter green. Okay. I bought it for my wife back then. Um I bought it for her. She's a St. Patrick's Day baby. Okay. So her favorite color is green. Green, green, March 17th, green, everything. Um, she will not let me get rid of that. I've been trying to get rid of that coffee. Like, hey, you need to get rid of it. But a good thing is it's been paid off. Yep. It's uh it's an 08 it only has like 50,000 miles. So it's perfect condition, right? Mm -hmm. From the outside, no dings, it's perfect. I'm just tired of looking at it. Uh, But the blessing in disguise is our older son, he's 20 now and we have a 17 year old, they can drive it and they drive it to work and this and that. So it's not as bad. And then I don't have to cut a check to pay for them a car because they like driving a Ben still. Uh, So um, that's the one old school that's in the garage.
3: All right. Well, I'm just glad we all can openly admit that we all have purchased rims in old schools.
2: In oh this, my god! Yeah, I had those. I had those free right wells. I had those the the, the, the rim, spinners. Oh my
3: god, the spinners.
2: I yeah. Don't have,
4: if if rims ain't coming on the car now, like they come standard on certain. Yeah, modes, they do. Like we have a Range Rover. If it doesn't come on, I ain't buying them.
3: I'm with you. Like I'll purchase some
4: stock from the from the dealership. Well, they that take way. care of them better, right? But if, they, if I'm not going to a person to buy. <laughs> 20. three, twenty. I'm not doing. I'm not that doing anymore. anymore. Yeah, same. But if I can get some stuff, I'll I'll even get a car. I've gotten cars over the years, where I'll just take the the vehicle in there, and I'll get them um factory coated.
2: Oh know, yeah, that's what I do now. Black, yeah, like, powder coat them black. Powder coat them like yeah. I don't, it's
4: factory rim. Yeah, I don't care to be seen. I prefer not to be seen. Throw some tent on my car, make them illegal. Make the tent. <laughs> the gotta have illegal. illegal tent. But I'm gonna go to my uh, dermatologist and. I'll teach y'all that Yeah. another <laughs> so right, point. We're secrets. in Florida. You know, I, I got some skin condition. I gotta have a dark tent. So work with me here just in case I get pulled over due to my tent. But um yeah, um I don't wanna be seen in the vehicle. Like I don't care about that sort of stuff. And it's just, you know, all superficial stuff. So All right, but let me hit we you have with to grow a hard question it then.
3: Out. All right. Top five running backs of all time, your list. Oh boy.
4: This thing changes all the time. <laughs>
2: we keep pivoting. That's what it's it about. Changes so
4: much. Um, <clears throat> I fell in love with the game watching Walter Payton. Mm. Love sweetness. Um, and I would say Jim Brown. Totally get it. Um, mm. I love Marcus Allen.
5: Okay. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't
4: expect that. I wouldn't either. I love Marshall Falk. I love yeah. that one. And um Ladani and Really? It's my guys. But and and I do this, and it's no any no particular order. Um, those are the guys that I absolutely love. But um, sweetness, Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, oh, yeah. Marcus Allen, and Marsh Falk. Those are my guys. Yeah, I love. I, love, I just love Ladainian's game, just his all around ability. You know, Falk. I felt like in my career I was. Uh, I wasn't the, the 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 receiver that he was, mm-hmm. but in terms of you know that ta-ta, yeah, and that I was a bigger back, bigger but you were, you yeah, know, um, bat, you know, faster that, you know. But yeah, those are the guys that I admire, uh, and I believe, uh, in my opinion, those are my favorites.
3: Oh, follow up: How about in today's game? Who are like your top or favorite running backs to watch in mm-hmm. today's game?
4: All right, um, Saquon. I just love his 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 explosiveness. He's He's extremely dynamic, strong. He has probably the best jump cut in the game. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, he get from a gap to c gap like that and gets back vertical. He wastes Mm -hmm. no time lateral. Uh, I like Christian McCaffrey. He's he's that Falk version. Yeah, he he is. is. You know, so he 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 gets it done. Um, I like uh, Jonathan Taylor over in, in, in Indy. Yeah, you know when I see that twenty eight in the Taylor running down the field, kind of <laughs> bring back some memories, memories. Some flashbacks. Right, I like Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. You know, AK is he's he's a dog, uh, and I I admire a lot of the young, the young running back. I like my Florida boy, um, Derek Henry. You he's, know, he's, he's a different. different.
3: They, they, even, they don't build him like him.
4: They don't build him <laughs> like him. He's Eddie George. It's great you know, comparison. Yoke uh, Eddie George three <laughs> I saw him this morning when he was
2: leaving and st- still
4: swole. Yeah, he looks good. Oh yeah. my goodness. Eddie, like, he can still give you yeah. twenty carries. Yeah. So I, I mean I admire so many um so many of the young backs out there, man, just uh how great they are and, and how versatile they are. They can do it all. Yeah. You know, but it starts again with where youth sports is mm-hmm. and you know, how that's continuing to evolve from flag, you know, and then seven on seven. Mm. You know, and now is developing these guys how to be great receivers. Yep, yep. You know how to have that, how to be extremely agile. Then they carry it over to you know the running back position, and just really uh, being able to think the game, line up the X's and O's. I think those things are gonna be what separate the 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 greats, the guys that are gonna be future hall of famers at that position, versus the guys that are gonna be really good at that position. That high level IQ and how they see the X's and O's. I don't think it'll be too many more ten thousand yard rushers, yeah. because of how the the game has evolved. Is more of a pass dominant mm-hmm. game now, and uh, they
3: devalue running back, so nobody. And the just...
4: running back position isn't valued as great. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some that that force the issue yeah, there, sure. right? But those are the special guys. Um, but I, I think that. Um, you won't see as many ten thousand yard rushers because they're splitting carries, right. the two headed monsters, Th- and stuff like that. So those opportunities won't present themselves. Doesn't mean they they're not great from an ability standpoint. It's just from the opportunities. I don't think they'll get as many opportunities.
2: Yeah. So another 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 pivot. Another serious question. Um, our journeys require great guides, and through my journey of life, I've had numerous guys that have helped me along the way. And if you could have your Mount Rushmore of guides or people that have helped you to get to where you are right now, who would those people be? Uh, four. And you get four of them? All right,
4: now I, I, I always I would I would definitely start with um, my grandmother first, mm-hmm. man. Um, just to see uh, what she had gone through to raise us mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah. Uh I don't know if I can get to the other three because uh, I'm 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 fighting back tears just yeah. thinking about her. Uh yeah wrong for that. <laughs> it's all good. Um man. Yeah, my grandmother first. Mm-hmm. Um and then my dad, you know, he, he uh he came into my life later. Uh, but he, he was sort of forced out of my life early on, mm-hmm. but he came back into my life later, and um, he did what dads are supposed to do, mm-hmm. and he helped me become, you know, a, a better uh, person mm-hmm. from a brotherly approach, um, and then just a, you know, couple mentors, uh, Coach Pola, you know, my running backs coach who I got uh, towards the end of my career. Uh, just his fatherly approach, uh, how he kept me on track, uh, and how he, you know, uh, um, re- continued to reinforce the things that were most important. And uh, lastly, I would just say um, my, my my daughter Natasha, mm-hmm. because she was the one who initially broke me from, you know, all of the knuckleheaded. Mm stuff you would do and the decisions you would make without thinking. My first baby girl, she uh she made me a man. Yeah. Right. And uh just really all of those, you know, people as a collective, um, just and I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. But now since y'all put me on the spot, um, yeah, those people that have been the most influential and helped me pivot and become the
3: person that um that I am today. So uh yeah. Well, Fred man, I, I appreciate that vulnerability, bro. Yeah. Um and I can attest to the last statement, your daughter, uh, your firstborn. Um, I'll never forget I was doing a lot of the same knuckleheaded stuff uh when I first met Peanut yeah. uh at PAO. And uh and my girlfriend who's now my wife at the time was she asked me a really really hard question was that, would you want your daughter to date you? And that really hurt. Cause it really makes you look at that man in the mirror and say, I really need to like, focus on what I'm trying to do and who I'm trying to represent. And the people you love are the ones that you can hurt the most. And so um, it's really cool. I appreciate you being candid and vulnerable and sharing that too.
4: Yeah, I wanna also um, really quick before um, I get kicked out of my own house, man. We're gonna do a, a Mount Rushmore plus one. Let's do it. My wife will kill Let's it. do it. Cause you know, I, I think about um, <laughs> in, in that moment, you know, I, I, I really, uh, every, everything that I lead with from getting out of, you know, the hanging out mode mm-hmm. in Miami yeah. and uh, 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 making sure I would take care of my body and not going clubbing all the time and mm-hmm. stuff. It was, it was, it was her. Yeah. Like, my wife pretty much changed, um, you know, as a single person, changed the the direction of my career. Yeah. Because uh, I would hang out, like I said, in the offseason all the time. And, um, you know, she was, you know, saying, look, this is what you're going to have to do in order to, you know, if you want to be great. So this is what you're going to have to do. So a hard relationship. You know, we've been together for 20 plus years. Um, but she's the one who, Helped me pivot and, and get back on the path that I thought I could be on mm-hmm. as a player, but it also made me a better person, mm. made me a responsible person. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So she, um, for lack of a, uh, I guess pun intended, she took me out of the streets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, from hanging out and learning structure and uh, um, just really uh, just developing um you know, sort of a, uh, um, a a guideline for my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she deserves as much credit as the other four
3: does. That's also she. why you're not getting rid of that Benz. Yeah.
4: <laughs> 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 I want to get rid of that car so bad, man. That's crazy. Oh, man, well, hey. Hey, next time, y'all gotta have some napkins close by. <laughs> hey, <man. laughs> I could have dabbed that away, bro.
2: That was my Oprah moment. <laughs> that beautiful. was my Oprah. It was beautiful, though, man. You, know, I'm, you I'm, can't hide true emotion. No, no emotion it's beauty. beautiful. Because it's, I
4: think about her, man, and she's battling dementia, mm-hmm. and a seer, like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. that's heavy on me. Yeah, for yeah. sure. What hey, the-
2: appreciate you for coming out, man. Thank All you, right, man. My Thank pleasure, you, appreciate y'all. Thank you guys for listening. You know, with with every show we do and every guest we have, we try to make it very authentic and just be vulnerable and open and secure and make this a safe place for these guys to talk. And you guys have been awesome for supporting us. We can't thank you enough.
3: We are here to educate and entertain. So make sure, like always, and I always ask you, make sure you hit the subscribe button, give us a five-star rating, tell a friend to tell a friend to do what, Peanut? Tell a friend. Make sure anywhere you get your your podcast, whether it's Apple or iHeart, link in.
2: Appreciate y'all. Give us a listen. Hit that button. Click it.
0: I think he needs to stop now. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.